So yeah, great book. Think again, Adam Grant. Nice. nice. Oh, hello. Oh. Yeah. So nice. <laughs> <laughs> Hey friends, welcome to the 161 Podcast, where we share stuff we've been chatting about in the studio because we want to chat about it some more. I'm Matt Miller, and in the room today we have Jared, Andy, and Steph. We're not even doing the introductions. We uh, need to acknowledge what happened in the last episode at the start. Because it was mad. <laughs> we have to talk about it. We can't not talk about it. Because that's all we've been talking about the last that's the only like thing three weeks discussing. in the studio. It was yeah. like, you know that scene in The Simpsons where Homer Simpson goes crazy in Japan and it's just like... <laughs> I don't remember that one. I don't know if I have enough Simpsons. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's... Is he like in an advert or something? Oh, or? yes. The Mr. The Cleaner. Yeah. Thing. And yeah, it's like, yeah. it's full on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. That was basically what happened. The intro to last week's episode. I mean, full credit to Mr. Simpson, our editor yeah. on that, because it was insane. But it's probably one of the... It's one of the best things I've ever heard. Yeah. Ever. So basically, for those that don't know, you have to listen to the last episode because we had a guest of the week, yeah, Becca, which was great. And that's a segment that we'll have going forward where we bring guests in. And I think, Andy, you made a passing comment about a radar sound. Steph said, let's get a guest sound. And then that's when, Matt, you just started going, guest uh, <laughs> at a moment. But it was good. And we didn't say anything to Tim after that. I didn't actually write an email, Tim, can we get a song for this? Or can you make a thing? But he's taken that little bit of inspiration and classic Tim's themes and this is what he does he only needs a little bit to go off to make something excellent <laughs> and on the Friday he came down to my place was his gravestone yeah. <laughs> he only needed a little bit to make something excellent <laughs> to go <laughs> literally it would be so inappropriate I was so blown away by it, but it was one of those things where it's like I can't experience this alone so I immediately fired it off to obviously our whatsapp chat and I think, Tim, if you can play Matt's response here, because Matt, you were driving at that point. Do you want to tell me what happened? Yeah, I wasn't ready. Kevin Hart, I wasn't ready. I was literally, I was driving home and, you know, you shouldn't really ever do this, but, you know, stopped in traffic. And then I was like, oh, Jared sent through the clip for the podcast, need to get it signed off. So now as I'm driving, I press start and I start driving and I just lost it to the point where I had to pull over at Clapham Common because it wasn't safe to drive the key change is the bit <laughs> yeah i was uncontrollably shaking <laughs> and so i had to pull over and just just stop for a minute and just, <laughs> just send me, us your laughing just track just rocking in the car <laughs> as people are walking past like what's going on it was amazing Anyway, Tim, thank you. Your work is impeccable. Um, and last week's episode was sick. We had our first guest. Huge. Shout out to Becca. The EP is now out. It's out yep. in the world. Go listen to it if you haven't yet. I'll be there. Yeah, it's really, really exciting. She even had Chris Stark from Radio 1 on her Instagram, just saying how much he loves her music and her oh. as a person and That's hopes awesome. her career goes far. So yeah, it's just a very exciting time for someone who's part of the 161 gang, someone we've worked with and we um we care about so very very exciting but also i realized i didn't actually acknowledge mitch i'm so sorry we do that oh, yeah that's very rude mitch, sorry mate glad you're still here for those people that ask someone literally asked me if it's, if uh if mitch is going to be bringing a question 
Yeah. He actually just came back from a holiday. Where did he go? Spain. <laughs> <laughs> But this week, so the theme, it's not really a word, but it's more a thought. We've been having conversations around this. And it's interesting, buzzword, the 161 podcast buzzword, because a lot of us have come through experiences where we faced some level of like opposition, particularly when we're kind of pursuing either a dream or a career choice or a life choice. And we've tried to kind of define what it is that makes us resilient to that opposition Mm. so there's this phrase that we use talking about in terms of like our culture that we use talking about trusting your gut Mm. and going with your gut and i think what we're really talking about when we talk about gut is we're talking about our own intuition and so there's often instances in life where you are pursuing something based on your gut based on your intuition and you come across either someone or a set of circumstances that tell you that's not going to work don't do that, don't persevere with that, or don't even try it. Sometimes it's parents, sometimes it's business advisors, it, it can be a whole host of things. And the reason that I think it's actually come up now is, I think everyone in this room has watched this movie, The Mitchells versus The yeah. Machines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so and there's good. a bit of that narrative in that film. Also, it's a fantastic film. I think it's a Netflix original, right? I yeah. think so, yeah. Animators it's, are the people that did Spider-Verse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a really great movie. Mm. I really enjoyed it. But there's an interesting relationship, which I think in terms of our culture is probably quite common, where the daughter is pursuing an artistic direction for her life. She wants to become a film director. And the dad is from a different generation, understands technology in a very different way. Mm. And I would say he's kind of been typecast almost as that traditional in touch with nature, working with the hands, dad. Like he has this running joke where he always has like a screwdriver in his pocket and all this kind of stuff. So he doesn't get, there's a huge divide between him and the daughter. Mm. And so a lot of the movie is talking about the tension between the two of them where Mm. she's pursuing this career and all she wants is her dad's support, really. And he really struggles to offer it because he's protective, rightly so, of his daughter and doesn't want her to fail, but doesn't see. sees it as a hobby. Yeah. It's a nice hobby. And I don't know if this is the same for everyone else in the room, but being black British, I think there's definitely something within our culture. I speak to my friends and my cousins where our parents, our grandparents are like, you need a solid, safe career. Like Mm. you need to be working for a bank or you need to become a doctor or you need to become a lawyer. That's the same in the Asian culture. It's exactly the same. Mm. And so we're told this stuff, right? And you can kind of understand it. So, you know, looking at our parents, we can understand it because they sacrificed and gave us a lot and worked really hard for us to have a good life. And mm. part of that good life is, to some degree, a stable career. Mm. Not to be an entrepreneur and risk it and potentially have no money and all this kind of stuff. And often the first question that's asked from people in my family of that generation is, how are you doing? How are you coping with running the business? Because for them, there is that seed of doubt that it could fail, that it's not as stable as yeah. working for an institutionalized thing, whatever, working for some big bank or corporation. And so... Today, I just wanted to open up that kind of conversation really with a simple question, which is, have you ever had a situation where people are telling you not to do something or it's going to fail, but in your gut or your intuition was telling you, you know, I need to stick this out. I'm going to mm. keep going with it. It seems to be a more than common conversation, particularly in creative industry and for people pursuing a creative career. I can actually relate to the girl character in the film, Mitchell and Versus the Machines or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> because I remember like, 
you know, distinct moments where I'd like create something and then take it and show it to my mum and she'd be like, okay, cool. Can you wash the dishes now? <laughs> <laughs> it was that level of like, okay. for, for her, there was like higher priorities. And yeah. I remember I once did a sketch of her, like a realistic sketch of her. And she was like, that's amazing. You could like go out onto the streets and like sketch people and then get paid like 10 pounds per sketch. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> like the expectations were so low. Right, okay, right. Yeah, yeah. And I think at one point she was like, why don't you just be an architect? And I was like, yeah, but you just want me to be an architect because of the money. Yeah. Like that's not what I want to do. So she often didn't get me. I actually had a chat with her the other day. And I told her like some of the clients I've worked with in the last few years. And she was like, oh, wow. It kind of clicked in her head. She was like, oh, I'm really proud of you. That's probably the first time she's actually said that to me. Wow. It kind of like clicked in her head. Mm. Like, she was like, oh, okay, I know what my son does now. Yeah. But it's taken a long time for her to kind of come around to it. Yeah, so I think it's interesting what you're saying there, Andy, because I think that's a narrative that a lot of us might have where you see in the movies like, or you hear the stories of like the really successful people where in school a teacher blatantly said, you will never succeed or... Or like, you know, you see in the movies or something like that, someone's trying something and there's a very clear like antagonist that's like laughing at them. Like there's no yeah. way you'll... We love like those stories, I guess, or not so much anymore. I've, when, when I hear those stories now, I'm just like, all right, okay. Like it's another one of those stories. And we love to talk about the opposition as if like, look at me, I'm, I've made it. Yeah. But I think it's, in my experience, and I think probably a lot of people experience, it's more like just a quiet, like you're talking about, like just, it's not really opposition, it's just lack of understanding of what you're yeah. trying to do. So it's not necessarily like, no, there's no career in this, like there's no way you make it. Sometimes there is like a support there of like, yeah, like I believe in you kind of thing. But there's also this quiet thing of like, oh, but there's no stability in what you're trying to do, or they just don't actually understand what you're doing. Yeah. So when you try to describe what you actually work on, until sometimes you have the work to show them, like, this is what I do. They need a sort like, of tangible thing. A tangible thing of yeah. like, oh, this is someone you know I've worked with. Until that point, there is this kind of like, you know, when is Jared going to be done with this kind of phase that he's exploring? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. until you have something tangible. I think, Steph, you probably have experienced that with photography, right? Just like when you have a work to show, even just your family, of just like what you've worked on, there's much probably better response than describing maybe what you're trying to do or something like that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, to some degree. I, I think the greater question in all of this is, you know, it's that relationship. Who is saying no? And why do we feel jarred when we hear them say no? And I think it's realizing that there are some people in place in our lives that we actually want them to say yes. And I think it's when we hear that no we need to ask the question, why are they saying no? And where is it coming from? Because I know there's a lot of people that have been in my life that said, oh, you shouldn't do that. But they haven't spent enough time questioning and being curious enough to understand the context of why I've made this decision in the first mm -hmm. place. Right. And I think those no's are usually the ones that you shouldn't listen to. So, you know, it's always asking yourself, have they actually spent the time to get to know why I've made this decision? And if they haven't, then they're probably not the right advisors to tell me what I can and can't do. Mm. And then there's the other people who intricately part of your context in your life and have a good understanding of where you're going. And I think those are the people when they say no, is then you have to question for yourself, is there something that I'm not seeing? And I think there is a clear definition and difference between the two. And I think when it comes to photography and creative work, there are certain people that I allow to speak into what I do because they understand 
the work that I'm trying to create or they understand the context in which I'm making these decisions in. So I think it's really those two. And I know sometimes we don't consider like these type of questions, but I think it's important to understand, you know, who the person is. Do they understand your context? And are you trying to improve and work towards something that you want or are you trying to prove something to them? Because if you are trying to prove something to them, then that also jars with your decision making mm. and it actually doesn't leave you clear minded and it doesn't produce that growth mindset for you to know what you're working towards and whether you have the right grit and perseverance to go towards it. I guess one little story for us, Jared and I lived in France for a year. I think we may have mentioned that we did, mm, um, sure. but when we were deciding to leave, we had several different voices telling us, yes, you should go. No, you shouldn't. This is detrimental that if you leave now, it's going to be bad for your future and stuff like that. While other voices were saying, no, you guys aren't thriving there. So like find somewhere else and try something different. And I think what was quite interesting in those types of voices is that we felt confused on what we should be doing and how we should be moving forward but I think there was also a cognitive dissonance of going no we need to stick it out we need to persevere Mm. but at a point where nothing was working Mm. nothing was growing so I think looking back now hearing some of those voices is that we had to figure out not only what were they saying and who was saying it but what was our situation at that time and was it making sense that we were staying and trying to keep flogging a dead horse, so to say, or move on and try something different. And I think throughout our lives, if we're trying to prove something, then we sometimes stick around in something that is not working longer than we probably should because we haven't actually considered we could be wrong in what we're doing. So I think, yeah, there's a whole bunch of different thoughts. But I definitely feel like, you know, when we are talking about others saying no and not understanding, then I don't think if they don't understand, then they shouldn't be speaking mm. into your life in the first place. Because mm. I think what you touched on there as well a little bit, Steph, and forgive me if I'm like rephrasing some of what you what you were speaking about, but what I heard in one point that you were making was about like the seeking approval. Mm. And I think that's really interesting because there's so many narratives where the anchor point is really rooted in seeking approval Mm. and how do we question is that a good thing or a bad thing or for example like even um i was i was reading through synopsises of disney films Mm. just so i'm aware of like when we say oh yeah let's just put on some disney princess film that ciela my daughter asks for i'm kind of aware of the underlying message Mm. in that film and even in like just really obscure ones like Crunk's new groove which is like the emperor's new groove too the whole film is about him seeking approval from his dad Mm. the whole film and yeah it's funny but you kind of then start to think actually like what am I modeling here Mm. because my daughter at three and a half is then going to take away wow I need to work hard so my dad likes me Mm. also that I'm valid because my dad said that's good and these mechanisms are really tricky to kind of navigate because they're kind of everywhere Mm. but aside from that as well often we find I think the stereotypical narrative with that is it's often like a senior family member. It Mm. seems that it's presented. But what if you don't feel like you are seeking approval or it's not that big a deal for you? It's still disappointing when your family doesn't get things right. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, because they've raised you. They've grown like you've grown up with them. They know all the stuff. And so sometimes you're just like, I just wish you would get it. And what is that? What is that? Because is that insecurity? Is that is do we feel a need that? 
As a family, we should all be harmonious in our vision of life. I wonder whether, though, like if we're talking about this journey and people saying no, are we placing it in the context of the creative industries and creativity in itself? Because if we are, naturally up to this date, there hasn't been a clear pathway into the creative industry. It's like you only really got into it is if you've always had a creative flair or you've had some creative influences in your life that said, yeah, try this. Or, mm. you know, you see someone do it and then you're like, oh yeah, I can do this too. And they've fostered that creativity within you. But definitely up to this point, there hasn't been a clear navigation of how to succeed from a creative standpoint because the creative industry in itself hasn't really been something that has been promoted, at least within my own personal education until, but I went to a school that had a good stream to allow myself to foster that creativity. Mm. But there isn't anything that says, here's a clear step-by-step, you know, um, way into the creative industry. You know, no one promotes the whole idea of becoming a creative director or not when I was growing up. So I didn't even know that that was a, a clear pathway or brand strategy or anything like that. You, some degree, stumble across into it if you've, mm. you know, had a flair for photography or design, whatever it is. But when, you know, if you want to become a doctor, for example, a lawyer, they're like, okay, you have to go to med school, you have to, you know, go to university, and then you need to go get experience within a law firm or sort of, there's yeah. a lot more of a clearer pathway. So I think there's, with, within creativity, there's so much uncertainty and I think sometimes that fosters a bit of fear from the people around you saying, oh, I want to do this or I want to try this. Mm. That I do wonder sometimes whether a lot of our need to get approval sort of falls under the fact that people may not understand because society in general hasn't carved out a clear way for people to get into this industry in the first place. Mm-hmm. Those are my thoughts. I like. I don't it, know what you guys agree in with it, but in Australia, yeah. it's probably the yeah. case. We're I mean, quite behind with that stuff. I've got some thoughts on that. Yeah, because I think um, if we're treating the creative industry as like a job, then there are some pathways. You go to university, you study that subject, and then you apply to a big company or something, and you try and get in that way. So that's that pathway. But then, if you're treating creativity as more than just like something you do nine to five, then it becomes a lot more blurred. Like lines are just all over the place. So. It's like the classic gallery situation. The gallery is open to the public. A lot of people go to see artwork and you get the classic person who walks in and goes, I can do that. Or like, I don't get it. And I think that's probably because art or creativity within culture is more of a consumable than something that is like uh, involved as a, as a conversation or a dialogue or mm. something that we esteem quite high. Mm. Okay. So that's why you get certain reactions like that where someone walks into you know, looks at your work and goes, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, moving on, let's talk about more important stuff. So I think there's probably a cultural narrative going on where we're saying, like, art and creativity is just sort of like a hobby or something you do. And it's only until you put it into, like, a kind of business context and it actually becomes, like, something meaningful, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, I've got loads of friends who are, like, um, maybe fine artists or sculptors or painters where their parents are looking at them or their friends are looking at them going, how are you going to make money off this? And that's kind of like the sort of the crux of it really is that people are looking at creativity and thinking of it in the context of like a regular job where the end result is to get a paycheck. But creativity never doesn't always fit in that context. You know, there's a lot more complexity to it. It might be therapeutic. It might be something that, you know, is part of the nature of who you are like I can list loads of other stuff but 
I think that's a really interesting narrative to deal with because then it really informs like how people treat you when you say, I'm going to try something new. And I guess at the heart of creativity is trying something new. Mm. So <laughs> if you live in a culture where we're saying only if it means that you get paid or only if it means that there's like some bigger meaning behind it, then yeah. obviously people are going to be like giving you the blind eye and going, oh, whatever. Can I add on to what you were saying yeah, yeah, go before? Ahead. Go ahead. I found it really interesting that you talked about the whole idea that creativity is seen as a consumable product. Mm. And if it isn't, it's really hard to gauge what it is um, mm. and how you quantify that. And it made me think about when we started this business, how difficult it was actually to get any form of capital to get yeah. this business off the ground. We ended up having to do it from a lean standpoint off our own backs in order to get it Bootstrap. running. And there were so many articles that I was reading because I was just like, why is it so hard to get capital? And it's because the only asset that we really had was our minds and our creative minds, but you couldn't quantify that on paper as something that mm. could prove that we could get yeah. this started. And it just makes me think whether it's just from a cultural standpoint, there's still such a, a vague understanding of cognitive thinking or the lack of understanding of intellectual property mm. and how our minds, our creative minds are actually what constitutes to great creativity or great products at the end of the day, mm. but that we're putting too much emphasis on the end result and not the, the creative thinking um, and who it comes from. Yeah, totally. Like I, I really love what Simon Sinek said. He said that to kind of back off, you know, one of the thoughts that we were saying, you know, what do you do when people are opposing this or don't get it or, you know, maybe ignorant like you're suggesting, Steph? He says that if someone was to share an idea with you, instead of thinking like what could go wrong, come up with three ideas why it could work. And I think that was just such a brilliant mindset is thinking, okay, this person in front of me has seen something that I haven't seen. Can I just try and understand how this could work? Mm. And I think that's a really good, like, basic, simple principle, like, with anything really in life. Even with, like, if you're raising children, like, a child comes to you and has an idea, you're thinking, okay, cool, like, what could we do with this? Like, this mm. could be fun. Yeah. And I think we kind of lose a bit of that mentality when we get into our adulthood where it's like, yeah, I just don't really want to waste time with that. So I think that could be, like, a really good kind of encouragement for people who maybe just don't quite understand the process like try and think of three reasons why this could actually work mm -hmm. and if you can't then let the person explain to you why like rather than just kind of writing them off immediately mm -hmm. and i really like what richard branson says he said i'll always try something once and it goes to show like i'm not really sure about much of his history but you can see he's a massive like influence on business world on culture you know he's become an amazing entrepreneur but he has that mentality of like, I'm going to be open to mm. something new. Like, I'm not going to close off just because I don't understand it. I'm going to try it. And I think if, if we had that narrative overriding in culture when it comes to creativity and art, then I think people would be more receptive to, you know, change and stuff that we don't quite understand. Mm. And, you know, it feeds really into like art history. You know, we celebrate some of the great painters and sculptors like of years gone and then we get this picture in mind of like what art should be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So when someone presents something completely new and different and a little bit more abstract, we're going, well, I don't quite understand how that is good because the way I measure it is that I can see, yeah. you know, Picasso's painting or Rembrandt's painting and that's art. If I was in that situation or I was thinking about someone who, you know, we've spoken a lot about adversity or someone going against your intuition especially from the perspective that they may not understand or have invested the time to understand 
I would question, is it worth my energy trying to help them understand? Yeah. Like, what do I glean or gain from that? But to flip that, what if that person really does understand? Yeah. So, because we've, as 161, had that situation, right? Yeah. Especially like at the start of business when we were making this whole thing up and figuring out how, <laughs> yeah. do, we, how do we do this agency thing? We think we have ideas. We're doing the work. Well, so we thought we were. And uh, we're so fortunate to have two advisors. One of them, I don't know if I should name drop her, but I will actually. So one of our advisors is called Mink. We, we're probably going to have to get her on the podcast at oh, one we will. Point because she has her. so much value yeah. to bring. Uh, she's incredibly experienced when it comes to business, business management, the whole thing. And she'd been on board as one of our advisors. And she took a look at where we were at when we were really struggling at one point for various reasons outside of our control and things that were and we were su- we were quite emotional as well we were tired we were tired early doors before yeah. i even arrived before andy <laughs> you were even fully on board um like as a full-time part of the team and as a director and we were tired we were cranky we were slightly disillusioned probably from the yeah. whole thing and we still believed in 161 we still believed in everything that we'd set up from the original business plan and the vision and all what we were trying to build but it got to a point where Mink, you know, stopped us rightly mm. with all her experience and knowledge working at some of the biggest companies on the planet and said, do you think you guys should stop now? Yeah. Do you think you should call mm. it quits? And for someone who knows their stuff, even though our engines were kind of still running, even though it was empty, that was a different situation to what we've been talking about because then we we almost were obliged to stop and listen because they're an advisor but also just because of the seniority and experience, you have to listen to that and consider yeah. where you're at. And I think fortunately for us, we had, I guess there was two answers. The feeling we mutually all had was, yes, it's worth doing this. Like, yes, we yeah. want to keep going. But also business and life-wise and where we what we wanted to build and like we wanted to still see that happen. Mm. So the answer was kind of yes. Mm. And I think fortunately we were mature and had enough like, unity between us to like to ask that question honestly even though it was a painful question and i think in that situation you have to weigh up the costs right yeah so we then had to stop and be like wow look what it's cost us Mm. and are we still prepared to keep persevering knowing that it's going to cost us more Mm. Mm. and so mink's professional advice or the question was should we call it quits go and take up other jobs or whatever or is it worth still going? And we mm. said yes. And so Mink was like, okay, well then this is the work that you've got to do. Yeah. Mm. And then we had to put in the work. Loads of work to, in. <laughs> a lot of work to turn things around. And Andy came on board and that was a whole new, like we were propelled to a new level in terms of the business. And we really got to grips with some of the mechanics behind what was causing us just a lot of pain and energy that was not receiving a reward. To her credit, um, though, we hit the targets that she set out last year. Yeah, we did. We, her plan worked. Yeah. Mm. So. And then she decided, right. Here's the new plan. Don't, it's like, <laughs> don't oh. sit still. Here's the new plan. Here's how you go further. But I think the next question is really, you know, how do you, how do you get through that? Mm. This is, and there's yeah. so many different scenarios. Definitely. More micro and more macro than this. Yeah. But how do you... You know, how, how, I don't think there's one way is what I'm saying. Yeah. There's probably lots of different ways. So what are some of the experiences that people are aware of, of people getting, navigating through that? I think, that this is, I think it's a really good question because I think when we were talking about this topic, it's so easy to see the narratives told you before 
and to become the person that goes, well, they have no idea what they're talking about. I know what I'm doing. You know, just be quiet and watch me. And you can kind of see the success stories of people that have done that. And it's like, wow, you know, that person is amazing and they've done some great stuff. So that's the narrative. Have you seen that video? Of Snoop Dogg receiving an award at some like Hollywood Boulevard thing. And he's like, he stands at a podium in the street and he's just like, I'd like to thank me for working yes. so hard at this. <laughs> I'd like to thank, I'd like to thank myself for putting in the time and effort. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd like to thank me when everyone told me no and I still kept going. I'd like to thank me when I, and he just keeps going. And it's yeah. hilarious. But you're right. There's these, and there's yeah. so many podcasts, self-help books that yeah. are like, Everyone told me no, I persevered and it finally mm -hmm. paid off. It's almost it like the American dream. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. But, it's, but it's, it doesn't always no, work. It, the, the danger, and I think the, the danger of following that narrative is it gives you an easy way out to just, I think sometimes just be a really horrible person because you end up learning really bad habits and not listening to people when they're telling you, trying to tell you something that you should hear. Mm. And I think as a creative company, the flip side is it's easy to become almost arrogant in your viewpoint because nobody understands me mm. and as a creative it's like a badge we love to wear which is like um i'm 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 super creative so you won't get me and that's okay and and but actually i think that's really dangerous because we 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 miss the part of the people in our lives that don't think like us that think in a completely different way that have a really important piece that we're missing to bring mm. And I think looking at someone like Minka, our advisor, was she brought not only the expertise, but she thinks differently to us. Yeah. So when we say we want to do, you know, let's just use a really bad example. We want to do a photo shoot of XYZ and we're going to get all these people shipped in and, and to do all this shoot. She's thinking, okay, how much does each individual part of that cost? What is your profit margin? How much are you going to make back on that? Is it even worth you doing that job? And you're just thinking, I just want to make art. <laughs> and she's like, yeah, but you won't be making art in a year if you can't plan. Mm. And there's almost a responsibility, I think we learned from Mink, that as a creative person, you do have to have people in your lives that you sit down with and explain what you're trying to do. And if you can't explain it with the words, you've got to find the words mm. because you need to bring certain people along on the journey. Like we're talking about business here, right? So yeah. I think this actually plays into Andy, some of the definitions you were talking about, where you're yeah. talking about creativity that's directly linked to business. Like yeah. it's your nine to five, it's your job, it's your business card. Definitely. But then what if it's like, I just love this yeah, and yeah. I would love to create a world of my creative output yeah. that doesn't have to mean I'm, I'm still happy working in the butchers, like yeah. doing my whatever. But in my other time, I do all this stuff and I'd still love it to be out there. I yeah. still love it to be, I have a message, I have whatever. Mm. I make music, I want people to listen to it. And then you have people telling you, why are you wasting your time doing that? Just yeah. put yeah. all your effort into being a butcher, like mm. grow that thing. Like why are you, you don't seem to have it all together. You'd seem to be trying all these other things. Yeah, I, I really yeah. want to know who this creative butcher is. <laughs> Secretly, I've always wanted to be a butcher. <laughs> I think it's a beautiful tension, really. You know, I had an older person tell me that, you know, if you're usually in a place of tension, you're usually going down the right way because you're having to consider multiple things at once and you're not blind to maybe some of the risks or like the dangers that you would probably 
hit at some point because you weren't aware of it. <laughs> I think talking about all of this, I think what comes to mind, and I've been trying to think about this quite a bit, is our own biases and cultural relativity about how we perceive things and how we think about things. Mm. And I feel like when we were in France, we didn't have any pragmatic perspective at all. We only mm. had this visionary Extremist. element of going, oh, but this is what we want. So we had this desirability bias of where we wanted to go, but we had no pragmatic way of getting ourselves there and nor had we spent the time to reflect on our actions and consider whether we were going about it with the right approach. Mm. And I think because of that, it's so important to cultivate perspective and build a more 360 understanding of where you're at. And I think, you know, what all of you guys are saying is this importance of bringing in different perspectives. Yeah. And as, at the same time, you know, going out and seeking them, whether it be through people, through books, and having a better understanding of where you're wanting to go and how you're going to get there. But also, I think one thing that I failed when I was younger is to do a good risk assessment of where you want to go and how you're going to go about doing that. And if it fails what are the costs of that failure? And, you know, are you happy with those costs? Because mm. sometimes I think mm. we just made decisions or I, I did definitely when I was younger without considering the cost yeah. of those decisions yeah. and the lack of pragmatic thinking, I think really sort of came back and sort of like bit us hard from just the lack of considering the more pragmatic elements mm. of how to run a business or how to sustain ourselves from a financial standpoint so I think, you know, risk assessment and cultivating perspectives are so important if you want to move forward with something. Otherwise, you're dreaming too much and you mm. can get stuck behind your own biases if you haven't actually considered the lay of the land in front of you as well. It's also the cost to your family as well. Like you're counting the cost for yourself. You've got to realize too, like seeing someone struggle hurts that person as well. Like, and your family wants you to be safe, secure and or, or people that care about you so sometimes them saying are you sure is sometimes them just going i don't want you to suffer mm. so are there any kind of tools then because you spoke about like pragmatism when pursuing a goal or a dream mm. and then you're obviously talking about the responsibility as well in in terms of the effect that that will have on people that care about you it seems like there's an element of communication there that's important. Mm. Are we saying that there's some kind of practical stuff for like our own self-awareness, but yeah. also for those that have a love and affinity towards us that there's a, some communication that needs to happen? What are the things that you did or that you would recommend from your experience? Yeah. I, I think from my own perspective, and this is just from my experience, that I have this understanding, a bit of a harsh understanding is if you're not going to be pragmatic about where you want to go, then you're chasing fairies really. I had so many instances where I tried something, but I didn't even consider how do you run a business or how do you pitch to people? If I want to be freelance, how do I maintain myself from a financial standpoint? If I wanted to live in France, what are some of the costs of living in a different culture, different from yours, even with an understanding of the language and things like that? I think every time that I failed in life before this business, it purely came from the fact that I had so much dreams and visions and creative vision for my life or whatever it is, but I never considered the tools that I needed in my toolkit to get there and what the lay of the land was going to look like. And I think now, as you guys know, I'm so passionate about insights and data and pursuing a range of different perspectives in order to get a fuller picture, I think has come from the fact that before I kind of had just this warped understanding that things will fall on my lap 
if I haven't yeah. actually put in the work and I haven't actually put in the research to know what it means to actually go pursue something. So I don't, I don't want to sound harsh and say that, you know, you have to be like this, but I've heard a lot of people saying, oh, I want to do this. I, I want to be a film director, for example. And then you're like, oh, great. What type of like film director you want to be? Oh, I'm not too sure. Oh, are there any directors that you're passionate about at the moment? Oh, I, I, no, I, I don't really know any. Oh, okay. Um, so have you looked into any educations or schools of, you know, that could get you experience? Oh, no, not really. Mm. I think for me, when you have that perspective, and and maybe this is the cruel reality of my own experience, is that you cannot move forward unless you've actually considered the steps of where you want to go and how you're going to mm. get there. Sure. You just end up staying still or you start finding the wrong paths or you get swayed by other people's opinions when they haven't actually taken the time to consider where you're at and your context and why you want to get to somewhere, if that makes sense. So it sounds really harsh, but I think that's just my own lived experience. And I think that's the perspective that I got from making too many decisions without actually considering the journey of where I wanted to go. Sure. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the only thing I would say is not, I don't think everyone thinks like that mm. in the sense of like, you know, I, I had a good discussion with one of my mates because we were both trying to learn a little bit of drawing. And the way I learned was to like read every single book on like how to sketch a circle. Do you know what I mean? Like and the, the arm movement and everything like that. But the way he learns is very like, I'm going to see how far I can go before I fail. And then I know what I need to work on. And it was a f two completely different approaches. I didn't want to start until I knew everything. And he was like, I just want to start and then I'll figure out what I need to learn. And I think it's like, my thing with that would be like, I, I think, okay, maybe if that's not how necessarily you think, it's not maybe like how you pragmatically can plan out your steps because I don't know if everyone can do that then I would say is you do need to then ask someone who thinks like that mm. to help you pragmatically plan out like what are the steps here what happens when you get to you know this stage and and nothing's working for you what do you do but I, th I think it's important that someone is thinking like that and then what you were saying Matt in terms of communication I think it's it's finding the people that can communicate what you're going through it's also having like your responsibility where you're openly communicating with that person. So for me, it wasn't necessarily my family that I did all that with because Mink was a better source of like next steps, how we can get there, what we need to do, what are the steps that we're going to take. But my responsibility is I have to tell Mink how we're actually doing. She has to see the numbers and the spreadsheets. She has to know emotionally where I'm at, all those kind of things because she gets then the fuller picture of how she can move us forward. Hmm. So there's a responsibility on, I think, when we talk about communication with loved ones, and I know that her advisor, but we love Mink, Mink loves us. It's being honest with them as well. Like hmm. where you're at, I'm struggling or I'm doing really well, you know, those kind of things, giving them the chance to get a, a lay of the land and then tell you sometimes what you don't want to hear, but what you need to yeah. hear. I would even say, you know, the creative journey, I guess, if, if this is someone who's trying to pursue it as a career, it's not the same kind of journey that you would take if you want to be a banker. So like pursuing the creative journey is not like one plus one equals two. A lot of time it's like one plus one equals minus three because it re requires a lot of risk. It requires a lot of investment. It requires a lot of you. Mm. So actually you could end up on the other side not looking very successful. But it's part of the journey that a lot of creators have to take is that you either have to pay your dues or you have to show off your work or you have to get better along the way. Mm. And so I think there needs to be a lot of patience 
with the creative journey because it's a craft. It's not something that's just like a system where you you input and then you get an output. Sometimes you input and you don't get anything at all. Mm. And, you know, a lot of experienced creatives can testify to that like they put in loads of hard work over the years and nothing came of it and then suddenly it was like one plus one equals five Mm. it's just like oh okay something's clicked now something's working and i think it just requires a lot of patience for the person who's on that journey and for people around them Mm. to to realize that you know the way that society is built is that and the narratives that are running through is that it's not very supportive of creatives we like to consume what they make but a lot of the time they go unnoticed so I think one thing, one tool would be patience. Like just be aware that you're going to have to bear with people as they go along this journey. And I'm kind of in that second camp that you were describing, like someone who's just had to like learn along the way. But at the same time, I had a bigger vision as well. It's like, I know, I kind of know where I want to go. Don't really have the right people around me. I don't have those resources. So I'm just going to have to learn as I go, make mistakes, learn from them, make mistakes, learn from them. So I'm not opposed to people having a messy journey as long as they're persevering. As long as they're yeah. like committed to the vision and they show that enthusiasm and they know the risks. They like they're like, I know that I'm probably not gonna get paid this month, but what I really want is that in like a year's time I'm getting paid. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I think we just have to be aware that it's not the same journey as maybe like more conventional jobs or mm. or careers. Yeah, I think it's interesting. Like it's easy for us to obviously talk about this as well because we've got the hindsight and there's yeah. the four of us. So we have each other and we also know how we best work. And mm. I think as we've been talking, there's people that have come to mind that I know are in very different circumstances. So you don't have yeah. maybe anyone to go to who's yeah. like them or thinking about the creative industry or pursuing a creative endeavor this way, especially if you're from a background which isn't well resourced. You don't, you know, you don't, you can't afford even to maybe take things as far as we've suggested. Like yeah. I have, you know, I can think of people who grow up in an environment or a situation where they didn't have money. They were probably having to be responsible for their siblings yeah, um, that, growing that's, up. That's and, my story. Yeah. That, and so that's yours as well. I, th- I feel like in that circumstance, one thing just for me, it's just a very small thing that I probably wish that I had asked for sooner. And I think we're fortunate that we found a mink. Mm. Yeah. Um, in that it's someone who we don't want to model ourselves like off of her. We don't want to become her. Yeah. And often mm. people talk about role models um, and mentors and it's like, Think of someone you want to be in 30 years' time. Mm. I don't think that is actually the way it is. I think, Jared, you said it perfectly when it's like someone that gets you is for you but thinks differently. Yeah. And I think if you respect that person, they're probably going to have more experience and therefore be older. But I think I would have spent a lot more time, even like late teens, early 20s, thinking about is there someone that I can speak to to kind of flesh this stuff out when it comes to when someone's telling me no? I'm like, is there merit in this? Like, because I didn't have the maturity that we're speaking about now, yeah. even that ability to stop and take stock. Mm. I didn't have that mechanism. I've only learned that because I've been fortunate to be around people who do that. And I've yeah. been like, oh, that's a really good way of handling life. Yeah. <laughs> like, stop. Like, yeah. okay, actually, let me get a pen and write <laughs> these that list yeah. down of things. Oh, okay. Let me actually communicate. Let me communicate <laughs> to creative. my family expectations yeah mm. hey mom hey dad i'm gonna go for this thing and it's probably gonna look like this and i'm probably gonna react like this like, i didn't have it like this no. is all stuff we've learned and have become mature over time so i think what would have helped me is finding that mink person yeah. sooner who would be able to be like matt your dream is amazing it's incredible and in fact i see three ways andy like i see three ways that that could work yeah, and yeah. that's really exciting okay 
here's some things to think about and go and do the work. Mm. Then come back and we can talk about, does this idea still excite you? Mm. Are you still passionate about this? Can you sacrifice all these things to go and chase after that one thing? Yeah. Yeah, I never had that. Like, this is all... And also the movies, when you, talk about, when you talk about creative people, what's the stereotype in the movie of a creative person? It's like someone like on drugs who's like super weird right. and like is, but paints in this credible masterpiece. Sleep on easels. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and it's super like, like it's almost like. Or the, August Rush. Yeah, remember that film? Your family. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you're watching this and when you think, I'm going to be a creative person. And they're thinking, oh God, no. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're going to be that person. Like, and it's kind of like. Or you, or you get the other extreme where they're like so rich and they're like they they sell a painting for like yeah. gaj- gajillion pounds <laughs> yeah. and they're like oh that was nothing I just <laughs> I did that whilst I was in the bath <laughs> yeah <laughs> I see that though painting in the bath okay Andy it's an idea copyright <laughs> nice guys nice I think it's also worth mentioning like if we are talking about the idea of persevering and going through grit, it's also very important about self-compassion and self-care and being kind to yourself. Yeah, Yeah, I think the first person I would get angry at was myself if something wasn't working. I'd get frustrated that I'm not good enough, I'm not Mm. doing enough, I'm not, you know, doing things correctly, or it's that woe is me, I can't believe Mm -hmm. this is happening to me, I'm putting in all that effort. I feel like those emotions, one needs to be identified and acknowledge that you're in that space if you're tired and try and find someone to share that with and get it off your chest. And then I think it's just the only way you persevere, it's not through how you endure, but it's actually through how you recharge and how you break. And if you don't take that time to get some energy back, it actually becomes increasingly more difficult to persevere long term. Yeah. If you're not actually looking after yourself. And I think, yeah, it's just worth saying that be kind to yourself in those journeys and and look after yourself, your mental health, taking care of your body, taking care of um, your circumstance and making sure that you have a healthy environment for your potential to grow in. Um, Because if you don't, you're at a deficit continuously and then it becomes this chronic pain trying to endure without any sustenance, so to say. Yeah, totally. I think creatives quickly become their own drill sergeants. Mm. Like, I went through that so much. Like, the amount of screwed up pieces of all the paper in the bin (laughs) at the end of the process and I'm just like, no, it's not good enough. And then, you know, you get burnt out because you're up all night trying to get something. So there's some level of like, you know, the the risk and the sacrifice, but Steph is completely right. Like, rest is like one of the key ingredients to being successful as a creative, um, and recharging and you know checking up on yourself and you know evaluating yourself and and having those other voices in that say, I think you need a break or you need to just chill out for a bit, leave that for a bit because it's obviously doing more harm to you than good. But it's not. That's not the narrative. Like yeah. you can you can take your time. You can look after yourself. So yeah, completely agree. Really, really good point. So we're at that point in the podcast where we talk about what's on our radar, stuff that's happening, stuff we're enjoying that is changing our life, the world for the better. What's on everyone's radar this week? I'm recommending Max's Sandwich or Sandwiches in between like Finsbury Park, kind of weird area like Crouch End. That road. If you live in that area, you know that road. Max's sandwiches, beautiful, like kind of like exotic flavors and unusual toppings and stuff like that. 
So yeah, oh, my stomach just rumbled then. So <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> Why do we get so hungry in this podcast studio? Because it's always about lunchtime that we finish. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. And I'm going to counter your sandwiches with my recommendation. <laughs> oh, sorry, for Matt. For Ruben's Rubens. <laughs> I stole your thunder. <laughs> North of the river, south of the river. No, there's a guy called Ruben. He has an Instagram account called Ruben's Rubens. Um, smoke meets. He's like Brixton, Clapham, Streatham area. I think he like rides his bike and delivers stuff. But every, anyway, every week on Instagram, he puts online just stuff that he's smoking. It's amazing. It's like we had smoked salmon at the weekend. It was insane. He's doing like these taco kits, smoked beef and pork cheek tacos with all these sides and stuff. Anyway, so if you're interested, Rubens, Rubens on Instagram. Nice. Nice. I said in the last podcast that I, there was a book that I would recommend in this one, so I'm going to recommend it. Sorry, I touched you. <laughs> <That's all. laughs> what happened? Stop touching my feet. Oh. Um, sorry. Spider okay, feet. let me start again. <laughs> that was just affirming you saying recommend. Oh, no. <laughs> just like, <laughs> just give me the, like the a tap, tap of, of, of approval. Yes, you, you may recommend a book this week. <laughs> um. So in the last podcast, I said that I would recommend a book in this one, so I will. Um, there's one of my favorite thought leaders, and he also has a um, podcast called Work Life. His name's Adam Grant. He came out with a new book called Think Again, and it's all about thinking and rethinking and unlearning certain stuff, which we've obviously spoken about in the last mm. in some of the other episodes. I thought it was fantastic. It gave a much more of an in-depth um, look into how we need to reform and reshape some of our thinking and how we consider our biases as well and how we can get stuck in certain ways of thinking in the first place. So, yeah, great book. Think again. Adam Grant. Nice. nice. Oh, hello. Oh. Um, yeah. So, nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, for me... I went to a shop on the weekend that I found. Well, I didn't find. I, I didn't you find found it. the shop. Well, yeah. You found it, or you found you like founded a shop. You no. Are we going to go it. Oprah on him? <laughs> no. Did you found? Or were you found it? <laughs> that is very good. No, I was just walking around Covent Garden area, and when I say I found the shop, it's when you're like you're not intentionally going to find stumble this place, upon it, and you're like, oh, that's an interesting shop, and it just had in the window. I'm a sucker for like just little like a deck of cards that were like drawn by someone or like a little figurine or like I'm I'm a, I, I just like little knickknacks you know I don't know what they call them I don't, I don't, I don't, is there like is there, a, is there a term is there a term for yeah, them it's, it's called clatter Clut okay trinkets trinkets yeah trinkets. Dobby likes trinkets um, that's not even a saying from it but I'm making that um, I think they're called a paddywhack you know Knickknack paddywhack. Yeah, give a dog a bone. Mm. Mm. I just um, made that up. I have no idea no, what paddywhack is, is. No, that is the rap. Can we Google um, paddywhack? Can, can someone Google paddywhack? I'll do it. Um, so anyway, it's a store called Magma. It's the evolved form of... No jokes, it's a Pokemon <laughs> reference. Um, oh, store, it's a store called Magma. I walked inside and... Magma Books. Is it called Magma Books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No at all. I don't think and, it is. And then anyway, so went inside and they had all their little knickknack trinkets and things like that. Um, <laughs> Just for the viewers at home, the listeners at home, when Jared said knickknacks, he kind of raised his shoulders and did like jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> we can take a photo of that. Um, 
And I found I found this like deck of playing cards that were like all the Shakespeare characters like illustrated on them. But then when I paid for it, I didn't realize they have a whole nother floor downstairs. It was all magazines. And you know when it's like legit in terms of like a magazine shop when they have Holiday Mag in stock because nice. no one has Holiday Mag anywhere. <laughs> and the latest Holiday Mag was Ethiopia issues, so I had to get that for Steph. So I just I just shouted out two things. Yeah, and actually, a lot of things actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but Magma Shop, Covent Garden, really rate it. I'm definitely that's going to be a regular place I visit. Nice. And lose all my money in because it's good. Sick. To everyone who's been listening, really appreciate it. Um, thanks for your messages via Instagram. Please, please, please do like and subscribe and whatever else you do, actually. Five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and all that kind of stuff. It really helps make this thing go even further. But I think, with that said, we'll end it there. See you on the next one. The 161 Podcast was recorded at The Cube. Edited by Tim Steenson. Music by Megan Eco. And you can find us online at 161.co and follow us on Instagram at underscore 161. Thanks for listening. Thank you.